and he talks to both of them as a couple, and he says, you're going to have a son, and here's what's going to happen. He's going to begin the process of delivering God's people from the Philistines. And Manoah's wife runs and tells her husband, and apparently he gets stirred up, and he starts believing with her. And can I, If I could just take a moment and freeze the story right there and tell you that it matters who you run around with. It, it matters who, who you allow to speak into your life. It, it matters that if you've got some folk in your life that will come into agreement with you when you say, I believe God's going to do good things in my life. I believe God's about to prosper me. I believe God's about to bring healing to my family. I believe God's about to restore the years that the locusts and the cankerworm have eaten. If you don't have some folks around you that will grab hold of that and say, I'm going to believe with you. We're going to pray until we see heaven move. If those aren't the kind of people you got in your life, you're running around with the wrong folks. If you're running around with naysayers and people that are dragging you down and saying, I don't know about all that God stuff or I'm not sure that that's possible. Those aren't the kind of people you need pouring into your life. You need people that carry the balm of Gilead with them and are able to pour it into your wounds and are able to encourage you to move closer to God. That person is worth their weight in gold. So Samson didn't just show up out of the will of man. Samson was an answer to prayer. I'm about to get deep on you. Are you ready for this? Samson was an answer to prayer. This is very important. You've you got to focus on this for a second because Samson was a solution to a problem on earth. He was heaven's answer to earth's problem. He showed up because people prayed and God sent them an answer. Now, I don't know who this is for this morning, but there are certain things in your life that you have tried to get into, there are some certain moments in your life when you were trying to walk away from God, you were trying to seek out debauchery, you were trying your best to, to abandon your teachings that God has instilled in you, and you try to get wrapped up and totally dismiss the God, your creator, but by the grace of God, he you and you don't understand why. I don't know who this is for but I just feel in my spirit and, and that I need to help you understand what's going on in your life because some of you are miserable because you are running as far away from God as you possibly can and yet what you're running to is not bringing you any happiness and what you're running to is not bringing you the fulfillment and you think it will and for a moment there's this section of your brain and your psyche that tells you that you're doing what, what feels good but all of a sudden, you'll start feeling like there's something else and you're trying to get away from God, but you can't abandon what he put inside of you. Let me help you. When you try to walk away from God, there are prayers that are getting in your way. <laughs> There are people, you didn't choose to be here. You were a plan from heaven. And there is a destiny and a purpose on your life. And heaven sent you here to do what heaven needs you to do. And when you're trying to run the other way, there are prayers getting in your way. And you're having to step over and avoid and move around. And you're wondering why you're so miserable. And you're wondering why you're so tired. And you're wondering why you're so exhausted. It's because my is praying and grandmama is praying and the prayers of the saints are praying. Samson was a solution to a problem and you are too. And God's not going to just leave you alone. 
because you don't like living right anymore. He's not just going to leave you alone because you've chosen another path. You are a solution to a problem somewhere. Anybody grateful that mama never stopped praying? Is anybody grateful for a grandmama that just would not quit? No matter how many times you say, Grandma, would you just quit all that Jesus stuff? And she said, yeah, go ahead, baby. <laughs> go ahead, baby. <laughs> and Grandma would just go right back in her prayer closet <laughs> and start rattling the prayer chains of heaven again <laughs> until something happened in your life. See, see, we are grateful now, but we weren't so grateful then. We couldn't understand why all that stuff we were trying to formulate and mess around with wasn't working out for us. We're trying to make a foolish mess out of our life. And every time we turn around, we'd hear like the Holy Ghost check us. And we'd be like, where'd that come from? All of a sudden, you're quoting scripture and stuff, and you ain't never memorized no scripture. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, or was that just me? All of a sudden, you're talking about God will pop up in your conversation, and you ain't thinking nothing about God. You're thinking about getting turned up on, y'all not going to help me. Where's all, where's all my real center, uh, my real Christians at? I got some phony ones that act like they ain't never been turned up before, but... Uh, so, hey, you, you, you'll get the, your mindset that, that, you, that you're going to go and do something uh, out of bounds and, and you don't care what nobody thinks and you ain't thinking about God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you'll hear the voice of your grandma or maybe you'll hear the voice of this preacher or you'll hear somebody's voice and the Holy Spirit will be checking you saying, what are you doing here? This ain't what I destined you for. This is not what I put you on earth for. Who's messing with me? You start thinking you took the wrong stuff? So I ain't the only one. I hear by that laugh that I'm not the only one. See, I'll mess with your mind for a minute and tell you that God put you here simply because he has a plan for you. It really is that simple. And after all that you've done to work your own plan, God's still working his. He has a whole lot more patience for you than I do. I love you. I appreciate you. But after a while, you can get on my nerve. After I have given you instruction and given you instruction and given you counsel and tried to help, and I watch you just take what I tell you and say, well, that looks good, and then crumple up, throw it away, and go do your own thing. Oh, I'm the only one. Am I the only one got kids? Am I the only one got friends? Am I the only one got relationships? You know what it's like. You give counsel. Maybe they ask you for it. Maybe they didn't. But you give counsel and you just watch them do exact opposite of what you told them was best? Yeah. After a while, you lose patience for that, right? God don't lose patience. He watches us make this huge mess out of everything he told us to do. And instead of abandoning us, he says, I'll go with you all the way. He didn't say, I'll go with Bishop. He didn't say, I'll go with the preachers. He didn't say, I'll take the reverends. No, no, no. He said, I will go with you and you and you and you and you and all the way in the back. He said, everybody, I will go with you. And guess what? That means you can't outrun him. You can't avoid him. You can't hide from him. David said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I go all the way up to heaven. David said, I can't get away from this God. So, so while you are running out of uh, patience with folk, God says, I put you here with a plan in mind. Now here's the difference between you and God. You're living life on two realms. 
the present, and the past. You remember what you did in the past. And you can see very plainly what you're going through in the future. Past. Present. I'm heading toward the future. Even when I was back here, I was heading toward the future. But did you know that where you are right now used to be the future? So you thought when you was here, you was heading out here somewhere. Because this looked like the future. You didn't realize your future involved all the hell that you're going through right now. All the problems that you are encountering right now. See, see, when we get in our mind, we start talking about the future, we think it's all rosy. We think it's all perfect. We think it's full of favor. We think it's full of blessing. We don't realize that the hell we are now incurring is the future we used to look forward to. But what we also don't realize is that while we live on two realms, the past and the present, there is a God who lives on three realms, who has already been to the end of a thing, has come back to the present you to give you some kind of instruction on what you're going to do to maneuver yourself from where you are to where he's taken you to. See, this thing that is a shock to you is not a shock to God because he has already walked out every step that it's going to take. When you were here heading this way, he walked it before you got there. Now that you are here, he has already went before you and he is making a way. The Bible says his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And how is he going to give me instruction if he don't know the way there? So here's what I want to tell somebody before I move on in this sermon is that we need to get better at giving God a rewind praise because we're often thanking him for what's going on in our life but God set our end before our beginning he already planned out mapped out and coordinated your entire existence he knows where he's bringing you to he knows that where you are is not where you are about to stay he knows that what he's doing right now is it's not the last thing he's going to do. So you ought to give God some praise in advance. A rewind praise. He's coming back to where you are to bless you to where you're going to be. He's not abandoning you in the moment. He's preparing you for the then. And it only takes a moment. And there's a lot of you that know the things that you've done. A lot of you know that there's some stuff you tried to touch. Some relationships you tried to get deeper in. And all of a sudden that thing just unraveled. All of a sudden the plans you made fell apart. And you could not figure out why. With all your careful planning. All the money you spent. All the tears that you cast all the phone calls you made, all the people that got in your way and you just walked over top of them, you can't figure out how your plans didn't come to pass. 
And it's because you don't know what God knows. And that this thing that you're trying to get into right now isn't part of God's plan for you. So if you keep reading his story, Samson does incredible things while he's anointed of God. I mean, he kills animals with his bare hands. And up to this point, Samson has served God the way a lot of us do. You ready for this? He's living his life based off of feelings instead of devotion. He is such an interesting character study because you can see that early on he has an identity crisis because he is used mightily of the Lord. But his heart is not fully engaged. It's as if Samson is just stumbling into favor. Now I know why my amen stopped right there because you don't like this any more than I do. Because I only like folk that are used mightily of God to be right with God. And that's why my whole amen committee just resigned right there. Because you don't like it like I don't like it. We want our holy men and women of God to be holy. We want that, and they should be. But Samson shows me that you can be living in a duality of complexity. When God has a purpose for your life, Sometimes you do more by accident than you do by purpose. And when you read his story, you see how powerfully anointed he was, but his choices were awful. Hear how quiet it got? Everybody is nervous. See, Samson was a judge in Israel. He was an answer to prayer. He was a divine assignment. But at a very early stage of his life, we can tell he has a particular weakness. And it's the same weakness a lot of other folks have. And it's the opposite sex. So in the 14th chapter, he goes to his parents because he has just saw The 14th chapter of Judges, he comes to his parents and he says, Look, Pops, I just saw, I, I got to collect myself, Daddy. If you would just look at this woman, I just saw this woman, I want her. You and Mama go down there, talk to them, do whatever it takes, make her my wife. That's the one I want. Son, she's a Philistine. They're the ones you're fighting against. Can't you find one of them Church of God women? Can't you find even a Baptist? We'll, we'll go with a Baptist, even a Methodist. They ain't going to have the Holy Ghost, but can't you find somebody that you have to go get a Kardashian? He said, Daddy... I want her. Has, has one of your kids ever came to you and told you something made you want to drink the entire bottle of Pepto? That, that's what's going on here. He comes to his daddy and says, my passion is about to mess up my destiny. My passion is wanting something that God don't want for. 
but I can't say no to it. I, my passion, my, my thirst, my, my hunger, and the father said, no, son. What about one of those people who believe like you believe? No, 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 daddy. I want her. Look at her. Look, look at her. She got the pow, but a pow, but a pow. Look at her. Tell me, Daddy, if you was my age, that wouldn't be what you wanted. And he says, I am looking at her, son. And here's what I see. I see the curves. I see the paddle, paddle, pow. But I also see that she's not equipped to carry your destiny. I see the thing you don't see. You think I don't see what you see, but the thing is, you don't see what I see. And what I see is that she is not equipped to carry your destiny. Now, I don't know who this is for, but you need to check before you start giving your heart away. You need to ask the Lord to show you that person again. Because before you give your heart away to that person, ask the Lord for vision. I know they look good on the outside. I know on the surface they look like they got it all together. But if they cannot help you get to your destiny, then remove them. No matter how bad you don't want to be alone, no matter how desperate you are for relationship, I trust, trust me when I tell you, you would rather be alone in this season than broken in your next season. So the Bible says Samson called up with this woman named Delilah. Now, I don't know all of you. I, I doubt there's a Delilah here, at least on your driver's license, I mean. He called up with Delilah. You know what Delilah was sent to do? She was sent to disrupt the anointing. She was sent not to just have a physical relationship but to disrupt the anointing that was operating in his life. See, there are people that the enemy will send to you to disrupt the destiny that is on your life. Their only job is to get you off track. Samson had been winning victory after victory after victory, and his enemies could not figure out why he was so powerful. Stay with me because that's going to be the most important point I make for the rest of this sermon. The enemy could not figure out why Samson was so strong. That was the question. How is Samson able to kill 400 with one jawbone? How is Samson able to set the fields on fire? How is he so smart? How is he so powerful? They don't understand something called favor. They don't understand something called anointing. His secret was, it wasn't him that was strong. His secret was, what was operating inside of him made him appear strong. So because they couldn't figure him out, they bribed his girlfriend. Do you see why she was sent his way now? Let's move over to the 16th chapter, Judges 16th, starting at the 18th verse. It says this. When Delilah saw that he had, stop right there and look at those next few words. He had told her all his, what? What's that next word? He told her everything 
that was in his Do you see what she was after now? Oh, she got the curves. Oh, she got that kind of hair I like. Look at them cheekbones, Daddy. Look how high them cheekbones are. I just, that woman, man, I see her. But that ain't what she's there for. Friend, you hear me? She's on an assignment. And she don't know she's on an assignment. I'm not talking about your woman, your side chick. I'm not talking about your boo that you got in your DMs this week. I'm not talking about them. I'm saying they don't know what they're on an assignment to accomplish. But make no mistake about it, honey. They're there to get you off track. I'll get to that in a moment. Put a pin in that. i got to finish this verse. So she sent, after she heard everything that was in his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her money. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and have him shave off the seven locks of his head. Do you remember when God spoke that word about Samson's destiny? He said that his hair should never be cut. He told her what was in his heart. He gave away his secret. This is what makes me strong. This is what makes me undefeated. This is what makes me invincible. And she caused him to fall asleep in her lap. And she had his hair cut. And she began to torment him. And his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll do like I did before. All the other times, I'll shake myself free. And one of the saddest scriptures in all the Bible says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. When he tried to stand up against the enemy like he had before, but this time he tried to do it without the Lord, they took him into captivity, they plucked his eyeballs out, put him in brass chains, and turned him into a soldier in their grist mill. He began grinding meal. He's working in the enemy's campground because the difference was not his hair. It wasn't his buff muscles. The difference was the Lord used to be with him and he didn't realize it when the Lord had left him. I've preached all morning to get to this point. In this scripture we see a man who was destined to do great things but in a moment he made bad decisions. If you only look at his decision to fall asleep in the lap of Delilah, you will start questioning and saying, what in the world was he thinking? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know how you self-righteous people are. Because I'm one of you. We look back at these stories in the Bible and we're like, how could he not see? Do you know how many times I've looked at you and asked the same question? 
You know how many times I have perused your Facebook account and said, how could they not know that was coming? How many times have we preached something from the pulpit that if you do this and add that, it's going to equal this? And we watch you do it like a mad scientist going into the lab, stirring up your own potion, thinking you're going to get a different outcome. And we all stand back and say, didn't see that coming. And when we look at Samson, we do the same thing. We're like, of course, of course he fell asleep in the lap of a woman who was sent to destroy him. Why would he let himself get in that condition? Why would he let himself get caught up in something like that? But before we judge him, do me a favor and take a look at your own life. Have you ever been caught up in something? Now listen, I, it's probably not you because you're holy. But the people up in the balcony... You floor people are holy, but the people, balcony people. Have you ever got caught up in something? You look around, you're like, how in the name of God did I get? Or is it just me? I mean, have you ever got caught up in something? You look around, you're like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing. Praise the Lord. And you're like, these ain't the same people I used to run around with. This ain't the same place I used to spend my Sunday. How did I, I used to be, how did I end up in this mess? Has anybody ever had that gut check where you just look around and say, how did I end up here? I used to be a deacon. I used to sing on the praise team stage. I used to preach in the pulpit. I used to witness. I used to have people that would come to me for advice. How did I end up in this mess? Three of us. I'll be number four. The rest of y'all pray for us four because we're not as holy as you are. I know sometimes you don't want to say amen because we got visitors and you're like, I don't want them knowing our business. But every one of us knows what it's like to be a little bit off-center. And it's easy for us to look at Samson and say, why would you give anybody the key to your strength? Why would you tell her everything that's in your heart? But can I tell you, I've done the same thing. I venture to say, so have you. You thought somebody was one thing in your life. You thought you shared certain things. You thought that there was an intimate exchange going on only to find out that that individual did not find out your secrets so they could help you, but so that one day down the road they could use against you what you shared with them. I've done that thing. I, I've had people in my life that, that, that were on an assignment, and I thought they were on an assignment from heaven. Turns out somebody else sent them my way, and, and after I had told them the secrets of my heart, they didn't want to know so they could bring healing to me, but so that they could turn around and use that information in a moment of my weakness to harm me. And if that's never happened to you, then I think you need to praise God that you are so blessed because everybody I know on an intimate level has been burned at least one time by some joker who came along and sold them that bill of goods. I'm going to give you a secret this morning that most counselors will not give you. My first degree was in counseling. I never did it very much. Turns out I don't like whiners. So, so I stopped counseling. Uh, so, when I, so when I give you counseling advice, I take entire chapters of books 
give you a very brief discourse on it and just cut right to the chase. So I'm about to do that. I'm going to take an entire session of Dr. Phil and give it to you in one sentence. You ready for this? A lonely heart will make you stupid. A lonely heart will make you stupid because you are meeting an emotional need. And you start thinking emotionally instead of rationally and logically and you make stupid choices. Now sometimes stupid choices don't have big long-lasting ramifications. Sometimes you end up with your eyeballs plucked out in the enemy's camp. Therefore, you need to learn the difference. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get ready to learn. You ready? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you one more point about Delilah, and it's this. Delilah represents compromising with the wrong thing for too long. Delilah represents compromising with the wrong thing too long. We have romanticized sin in popular culture. We watch TV and movies and people mess around with each other. They sleep around. They do whatever they want to, and then they just go on with their life. But honey, can I tell you in real life, that is not the way it works. And when you compromise with the wrong thing for too long, something is bound to happen. Samson was caught with the wrong one for too long. There are certain relationships that are not honoring God. And if they're not honoring God, they are no good for you. And by the way, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Some platonic friendships are not producing spiritual fruit in your life. And, 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 and God has been speaking to you, and you've been saying stuff to God like, oh, well, God, that's just the way you are. And you need to understand that the way they are is impacting where you are headed, and you need to take that seriously. The Word of God says bad company corrupts good character. You won't be the exception to that rule. So who are you hanging with? What are you guys talking about when you're together? What's the goal of the relationship? Because if it's not to bring more fruit into your life, it's probably not helping you. Samson got caught up. And it happens to the best of us. Look at me. I'm not standing up here this morning in a three-piece suit and a tie and judging you. I'm telling you it happens to all of us. We all get called. This was the problem for, with, with churches in general and preachers in particular for eons. We have acted like we never make no mistake. But I'm telling you that we all get called up from time to time. And he was caught, but he wasn't just caught. Being caught up is one thing because we all get caught up, whether your problem is women or anger. We all get caught up in something. But his problem was he wasn't just caught. He got caught sleeping. You can't defend yourself. You can't correct yourself. You can't make maneuverability possible if you're asleep. He got so comfortable with his messed up, jacked up self that he put his head in her lap and went to sleep. The enemy is doing whatever he can to lull you to sleep. So you will be ignorant to his attacks and his devices that he's using against you. Uh... He's trying to bring division between you and your family, you and your church, you and other people that you're supposed to be witnessing to. He's constantly trying to get you asleep. 
let me get this out of the way. The devil's a liar. And he will lie to you and tell you that there is no value in 2021 of living holy. That there's no value in doing things the right way and serving other people. And he'll remind you of the pleasures that you found in sin. Can I just go ahead and be honest and raw up here in front of you? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, 25, see for years, if I would have said that 20 years ago when I was standing up in, the, in front of a church with a suit and tie on and I would have told the church that there's pleasure in sin, they would have wanted my credentials. But Hebrews chapter 11, 25 tells me that there is pleasure in sin. Whoa, pastor, it can't say that. It absolutely says that. But the difference is it says the pleasure only lasts for a season. If sin wasn't pleasurable, none of us would be chasing it. But sin has pleasure for a season. Don't let a moment derail your mission. Sin is pleasurable for a moment. But the effects can derail your mission. So don't let a momentary lapse of judgment get you completely off track. God still has a plan for you. You may have made mistakes. You may have made grievous errors. You may have not used correct judgment. You may have sinned against the Most High God. But that does not mean that your moment of transgression should define the mission that God has in your life. Because God has already been to the beginning and has come back to let you know, I knew you were going to be standing here. See, this is the difference between me and you. I know the present God is also my future God. And I realize that every time I make a mistake, God's not standing here wringing his hands with a belt out ready to, 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 to whoop on me. Because he already knew I was going to make that mistake. Do you think he called me as a preacher? of the gospel and thought I was going to walk this thing out and never get in the flesh and never make no errors and never make no mistakes. He knew what he was getting when he called me and he called me anyway. And he comes back and he says, I know you ain't right and I know you're not perfect and I know I, did, I know exactly what I got when I got you. Just keep on keeping on. You're going to mess up again. As a matter of fact, over here you'll do it and over there you'll do it. And I, but I'm just going to be with you all. And for every flaw and every mess up and every foul up that I've had, he's been right there to say, none of this ever took me by surprise. I knew exactly what I was getting when I called you. Samson kept messing around, and God still gave him victory. And you don't like that. And I don't like that. Here's the point that I learned for myself to bring to you today. You can be victorious in your spirit and be failing in your flesh and vice versa. I don't like that. I don't want to hear nobody preach unless they're right. Then don't ever listen to another preacher. Because I know a lot of them. And I ain't never met one that's right all the time. I've met a lot of messed up people and some of them stand in pulpits. And, 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 and before you get that wrong, hey, well, we're not supposed, no, you're not supposed to accept. No, 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 I'm not talking about the difference between right and wrong. I'm just talking about the, the difference between reality and fantasy. There's one perfect man. His name was Jesus. 
Paul said, as long as I imitate him, you imitate me. Which means the moment I quit imitating him, find somebody else to imitate. Bishop has always stood in front of you and told you the same thing. As long as I'm preaching the word and as long as I'm imitating Christ, you go ahead and imitate me. But if I ever step out of that and start stepping into the flesh, you go ahead and recognize it and listen to somebody else because I'm not infallible. And, and so you can be victorious in your spirit and be failing in the flesh and vice versa, but you can only do that for a season. And what God wants for mature believers is to lay down those things that have held us hostage. And say, I don't want to be a public disgrace. I don't want to fail God anymore. I want to make the correction because I realize God is processing me. I realize that God has been to the end and he saw all my mistakes and my failures and he, he loves me anyway. But I don't want to do that over and over and over. I don't want to get so comfortable with the lie that I put my head in her lap and go to sleep. So, Pastor, how do I not do that? I'm glad you asked. Your Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, above all else, means, means before you do anything else, the most important thing that I can teach you, Solomon said, above everything else, guard your heart. What happened to Samson? He told her the secrets of his once he revealed to the enemy what was in his heart, he was on the hook because the enemy knew the secret to his strength. Solomon says, above everything else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything else flows out of that. Everything that you are, your strength, your power, your faith, your wisdom, your ability to be an overcomer, it all flows out of your heart. He says, guard your heart. Now, there's something you need to watch for, and it's this. Judas is sneaky. Judas will walk up and kiss you on the cheek to let the enemy know where to find you. Delilah didn't do that. You see how a lonely heart can make you an idiot? Delilah told him exactly who she was, and he refused to believe it. Delilah said, tell me the secret to your strength, and he lied to her. And she said, oh, that's cute. Go sleep. And he went to sleep, and she tried what he said. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he jumped up, and he shook himself, and he broke the flax. Hey, why was my arms bound up in flax? Oh, I was just kidding. But, but, but for real, how, how, what's the secret to your strength? You, you know, I, I'm your boo. Tell me. We shouldn't have any secrets. Tell me what's in your heart, Samson. Oh, no, it, it, if you do this, if you, if you find something that's never been uh, uh, wet before and tie me up, I'll be, I'll be a weak as a kitten. Oh, that, that, oh, wow, that's fascinating. Go sleep. Here, you want some chamomile tea? Help you relax, honey. And he falls asleep. And he wakes up and exactly what he told her. She was trying. And he shook himself and he broke it. What was that all about? Oh, I'm just kidding. Just joshing. But for real, you're making me look bad here, honey. What's the secret to your strength? Now, she has tried three times to kill him. And not only is he staying in the room, he keeps telling her secrets. 
Now, I don't know a whole lot about Delilah, but this one thing I have to know, she was capital F-I-N-E fine. Because ain't no ugly woman getting this kind of information out of no man. I'm shooting straight, ladies. That's how I know she is. Because <laughs> if she was average, he would have moved on. But he had outpunted his coverage and he knew it. And he was trying to keep the woman happy. And he kept telling her his secrets and finally he told her everything that was in his heart. So here we got the deceiver and the liar. Sounds like a great relationship, don't it? I mean, they, they, they don't need any premarital counseling at all. They've got it all figured out already. Now, the Bible says he told her all his heart. And the next thing that happens is she brings out the barber and they cut off seven locks of his hair. Now logic tells me if there was seven locks, there's probably seven keys. So if he had the locks and as long as he keeps the keys, the locks stay. Do you realize Christians aren't very well respected these days? Banks don't like loaning churches money. The Social Security Department says that Christians are as likely or more likely to defraud the government than people who don't consider themselves religious. And by the way, waitresses hate working on Sundays because the church crowd are the most demanding and the worst tippers. They shouldn't think that about us. People are watching us. Why? Because they're desperate for something real. The world needs help, church. But they are tired of phony, baloney, religious nuts that have all kinds of scripture in their mouth but don't have any fruit in their life. And Satan wants us to look like fools and hypocrites and idiots and phonies so that nobody wants what we have because we have the keys to the locks that the enemy is using to keep everybody bound. So Samson has an identity crisis, and it's the same one that a lot of us have. He wants to live in the Spirit because the Spirit makes him powerful, but his flesh I mean, look at him. Where am I going to find a woman like that in church? Stop. She said, stop it. You can't fulfill heaven's plan by fulfilling lustly desires. Here's what happens when you make an emotional life choice. You ready for some therapy? I'm going to give it to you real quick. An emotional life choice that derails heaven's plan. Lonely hearts, I already told you, they'll make you an idiot. Lonely hearts leads to loose lips. Bible says he shared too much with the wrong person, which leads to sketchy haircuts. So what's that mean? Lonely hearts, you don't guard your heart. You're just out there for the whole world. I'm looking for a Delilah. You leave this room today in hunting for a Delilah, 
It's your own foolish fault. I'm out there. I got, man, I got needs that need met. I need me a woman. I need me a man. I need somebody to help me raise these kids. I need somebody to help me pay the mortgage. I need some emotional support. You don't know how lonely I am. Lonely hearts will make an idiot out of you. Because what happens is you start sharing with the wrong people. And that person uses what you give them to give you a sketchy haircut. What's that mean? That means that they take the power. When Samson lost his hair, he lost his power to overcome the enemy. You see, the flesh is a gambler. The spirit is an investor. The flesh takes the gamble that I can keep doing the wrong thing and the wrong thing and the wrong thing and nothing bad's going to happen to me. The spirit says if I keep doing the right thing and the right thing, even when it don't look like it's working, eventually I'm going to put enough lumps on that devil's head that he's going to quit messing with me, so I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep saying hallelujah. I'm going to keep speaking that word because I'll do the right investment and something is bound to bring. Is this okay? I know I've been going a long time. Is this, can I finish this? The flesh is a gambler because your spirit knows that if you keep doing things God's way, sooner or later, you're going to wear the devil out. Can I say one thing? Samson's life turns into a mess, but it wasn't because he messed up one time. He practiced. Most of us, if our lives turn into a, even if it's just for a season of a mess, it's not because you made one bad choice. It's because one bad choice led to another, that led to another, that led to another, and you practiced along the way. Whenever you have to start covering stuff up, whenever you have to start lying, whenever you have to start making up stories, whenever you have to tell a story to cover a story, you're practicing. And you're not going to like the outcome because the flesh is a gambler. Baby needs a new pair of shoes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get tore up tonight. I need this release. and nothing battle. It's just one kiss, nothing bad. I'll just invite him over to watch a movie, nothing bad. Flesh is a gambler. I'm going to just do this because this is what feels good. for the Society tells me it's okay. The flesh is a gambler. I'm going to keep doing the wrong thing, and nothing bad will happen to me until it does. The Spirit says, I'm going to keep doing the right thing and keep doing the right thing and keep doing the right thing and it, I may not see that it's working and I may not feel that it's working and nothing is changing around me but I know that if I keep doing this that eventually that enemy is going to be up underneath my foot. Walking in the flesh caused him to give the keys to his locks away. So if there were seven locks, there must have been seven keys. So I asked the Lord to give me seven keys to give to you. Seven keys to help you guard your heart. You ready for this? We're going to go through them quickly because I have outpreached uh, my time this morning. Number one, the first key you need, the Word. Let, let me just reiterate that. The Word tells you what to do and what not to do. Stop getting your sources from CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. Stop getting it from your teachers, your professors, your mama, your daddy. If the Word of God says it's sin, it don't matter if Paul the Apostle lived nine million years ago, the Word said then what it means today. If it's sin then, it's still... 
You still got a problem if you're trying to live in opposition to what this word says. See, people come to me and they say, Pastor, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? It don't matter what I think. I think whatever the Word says about it. And whatever the Word says about it is the way I'm going to try to respond to it. Number two, conscience. You know whether something is sketchy or not. Now, you don't always listen to that voice. And you start finding sympathizers that will tell you, it's okay. Listen, if you're ever going around asking people, do you think it's okay if I do this? If you're having to find people that will agree with you, you already know the answer. Because your conscience is leading you away from that decision. Don't do it. Number three, your love for God. If anything comes between you and your love for the Lord, then that word, that thought, that act, or that deed is dead wrong. If it separates you from loving God more, then it is off-center. The Bible talks about a man named Demas. Do you, do you remember the story? Paul said, Demas used to be with me. If you go back and read the, the Gospels uh, uh, or the, the, the Acts of the Apostles, you'll find out Demas worked with Luke. Demas worked with Mark, and Demas was with Paul. But Paul says, Demas has left me because he loved this present world. Matthew chapter 6 tells us that no man can serve two masters. You're going to love one and cling to the other, or you're going to hate the one and go with the other. Why? Because it's an identity crisis. Wherever your love is, that's eventually where you're going to end up. And if you love the world, you're eventually going to end up. Number four, your love for others. Can I tell you that nothing is worth enjoying for the moment if it causes somebody else to lose their soul? If you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to other folks. And what you say and what you do and the image that you leave in their mind, God cares about that. I don't want to see, I, I don't want, as a young Christian, as a baby Christian, I don't want to pull into Walmart parking lot and catch my pastor flipping some guy off. I don't want to see my pastor coming out of the bar. Listen to me, listen to me. I don't want to see my pastor coming out of the bar. I don't want to see my elders. I don't want to see the person that invited me to church. Messing around with somebody that's not their husband or their wife. I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility and my love for others because their lives affect the eternal, my life affects the eternal destiny of other people. Number five, can God get any glory out of this? Before you start making decisions and start giving your heart away, is this something God's going to get? Or are you going to hide it from him? Is it something you're going to put on proud display? You're going to come up here and say, Pastor, can I have the microphone? I've got a testimony about how, how God. Or are you going to hide it and hope nobody at the church finds out about it? Because if God don't get no glory out, if God's not getting any glory out of it, you know. You know what's wrong with it. That's why you're hiding. Number six. What's my destination? You ever come out of Walmart confident? 
Got your keys in your hand, going to your car, and you remember where your car is. And somebody done moved my car while I was in Walmart, because my car was in, I remember parking right here beside this buggy stall, and while I was in Walmart, somebody moved my car. And now you're walking through the car, you're walking through the, anybody do this move? You pushing the button, hoping you hear your beep. Anybody else do that besides me? I see people doing it all the time. They say, I, I'm like, I'm saluting. I'm like, I'm, I know what you're doing. Glory to God. You, you knew where you, somebody moved your car too, didn't they? They've done it to me before. I don't know how. They hotwire my truck and they don't steal it. They just move it across the parking lot. I don't know why they do that just to mess with me, but I see other people. I'm like, they moved your car too. Because you're over here on the uh, home goods side and your car is parked over on the grocery side. And you know when you went in, it was over here, but somehow, I don't know if it's aliens. I don't know what it is. Somebody's messing with us at Walmart, moving our cars. What's your destination? Listen, if what you're doing or who you're doing it with isn't taking you toward your destination, why are you wasting time with it? When you know where you're going, you will eliminate certain people out of your life because you know that they are not helping you, they are hindering you from getting where you're trying to go to. And last but not least, and I know I've preached a long time, what will I trade for my freedom? What, what am I willing to trade for, to be spiritually free? Samson had messed around with this woman. He messed around and compromised too long. And every time she would wake him up, he would shake himself and break the bondage until he couldn't. He was succeeding in the spirit even though his flesh was sinful, carnal. He was doing it for a season. And then he got to the point where she woke him up and said, the Philistines are here. And he woke himself and shook himself. And the Bible says he did not know that the Lord had left him. So the secret to his strength was not all the weights he lifted, the cardio he did, the steroids he took. The secret to his strength was that God was with him. And that's why he didn't realize it when God left him. Because it was otherworldly. It was supernatural. Samson felt the same. You need to understand this. Samson felt the same in church as he did in Delilah's bedroom. Because God was still with him. And when God left him, the Bible says he didn't know God left him. You know how scary it is that you can come to church every Sunday and God leave you and you not know it? And you won't know it until you need the strength, until you need the power, until you need to call on the supernatural ability that has got you off the hook before, and you call on it now and it don't show up. That's when you recognize because being anointed and being unanointed feels the same way. 
What will you trade for your spiritual freedom? Because Samson had it all. He could not be defeated. He was invincible because of the supernatural anointing of God that was in his life. But he traded it all so he could sleep in the lap of a woman who was sent on an assignment to derail God's plan for his life. What will you trade? Do you know there was a meeting in hell this morning about some of you? Yeah, I just I, I, listen. If you got to go, I apologize, but I got to be I got to be faithful. You know me, right? You know, folks like you. There's like a meeting in hell on Sunday mornings about folks like you. Jessica, people like you. There's like there's like there's like a boardroom meeting in hell on Sunday morning saying, "What's their secret? How is it?" That I've got her so close to giving up. How is it that they've, I remind them all their mistakes they make. I've, I've broadcast their problems. And they still come back to church? All the hell I've put her through? What is the secret to your strength? I take people out of your life. I bring people into your life. I bring sickness. I bring financial calamity. What is the secret? What is the secret? They get together in hell and they have to sweat over people like you. They've got to because everything they've thrown at you and here you sit. You sit up here on the stage because you can't stand and you got your hands raised singing praises to God. Who do you think you are? What's the secret to your strength? And they make you make hell pull their hair out. Because they want to know what's the secret. I've done everything. God won't let me kill her. I've sent disease. I've made physical limitations. I've took their money away. I've put people out of their life. I've brought the wrong people into their life. And they come up in this church knowing that some of the stuff has been public on Facebook and they still come back to church. I can't even embarrass them out of church. What is the secret to their strength? Here you sit with your keys and your locks refusing, just, just being obstinate. You just being hard-headed against the devil, just refusing to quit. As many times as he's gave you the chance to just, Mandy, why don't you just quit? And every time he does that, you get something down inside of you that says, I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes, but I'm going to go back and keep investing and doing the right thing and I'm going <laughs> to... If somebody in this church knows what I'm preaching about, you ought to start praising God right now because had the devil had his way, he would have took you out by now. But the God that I serve has given you the power to... What's your secret? What is your secret?
What's the secret? Everybody that can, jump your feet this morning. Everybody that can. Mandy Bond, if you would have known all the hell you was going to go through, you would have quit already. But little bit by little bit, the devil has tried to make you quit. And every time that the enemy has come against you, little bit by little bit, here comes the Holy Ghost riding up into your presence saying, one more time. One more time. And some of you have been gambling in the flesh long enough, and it is time you start making some investment in the Spirit. And I'm here to call you out this morning. What's your secret? Your secret is you have refused to quit. Because you refuse, the Holy Ghost keeps showing up and giving you enough strength to make it one more day. One more day. One more day. One more day. If you're in this church and you need to make an investment in your spirit, run to this altar. Run to this altar. I'm tired of this flesh trying to overcome me. I'm getting my strength today. I'm, my hair's growing back today. The Bible says Samson's hair started growing back. I feel in my spirit somebody's spiritual hair is about to start growing back in this room this morning. Strength is coming your way. What is your secret? What is your secret? Prayer team members, staff, Stephen Ministers, if you're in the room. We got people flooding this altar. Come and help us pray.